Greetings from Quail Lakes Baptist Church in Stockton, California. Thank you for your interest in our downloadable messages. Our more recent teachings, such as Pastor Mark's current sermon series, are always available on iTunes. However, for a more comprehensive offering of Quail's Bible-based teachings from Pastor Mark and others, we offer an extensive archive of downloadable sermon MP3s on our website, as well as information on our fellowship and our ministries. Please visit us online at www.qlbc.org. These messages are also available on CD or cassette. For more information, please call our church office at 209-951-7380. We trust you will be blessed and edified by what you are about to hear. Thank you for listening. Take your Bibles, please, and turn to the book of Joshua. We'll start in chapter 13 today. Joshua chapter 13 is where we will begin. We're actually going to move quickly through chapters 13 and into 17 as we look at dividing the land. Here's the key concept this morning. Don't settle. Move forward by faith. Don't settle. While you're finding... Joshua chapter 13. I want to tell you a story that illustrates the fact that sometimes things just don't work out the way you planned. Years ago, a San Diego bank was robbed, and they hired a detective, a, a personal, a private eye, to uh, track down the bank robber. That bank robber had already fled to Mexico. And so he had to hire an interpreter. He Googled interpreters, you know, and hired the first person that came up on the list. And they sought out looking for the bank robber together. After many days, he actually found the bank robber and, and uh, they confronted the bank robber. The private investigator through the interpreter said, what did you do with the money? And the bank robber said, what money? I have no idea what you're talking about. With that, the private eye pulled his pistol. And he said to the interpreter, tell him that if he doesn't tell me where he put the money, I'm going to shoot him right where he stands. The interpreter did so, and upon receiving that message, the bank robber said this, Senor, I have hidden the money in a coffee can under the fourth floorboard in the second floor men's room of the Palacio Hotel in the Via del Rio La Paz. The interpreter paused for a moment. The detective said, well, what did he say? He says... He is prepared to die like a man. (laughs) Not working out as planned. Sometimes things don't work out the way that you planned. When we left off in chapter 11, we ended up with uh, chapter uh, 11, verse 23. And it says, So Joshua took the entire land just as the Lord had directed Moses. And he gave it as an inheritance to Israel according to their tribal divisions. Now, if the book of Joshua was to stop right there, you would get the impression that the children of Israel have carried out 100% of the job they were sent to do. It was mission accomplished, or at least that's what it sounded like in terms of the conquest and the inheritance of the land, the entire land. And the land had rest from war. But in fact, it was not mission accomplished, even though that impression is given. And that impression continues into chapter 12, where you read a long list of all of the kings and cities that they have defeated. 
And even though it is a long list, it is not a complete list in terms of the task that is before them. There was much more to do. And so that brings us to chapter 13, verse 1. And this is what God says. When Joshua was old and well advanced in years, the Lord said to him, You are very old. I'm going to pause there for a moment. I don't know about hearing that from God. You are very old. And there's still large areas of land to be taken over. Things have not worked out as planned. It's easy to gain a false impression of their victory in chapter 11. People have rested for war, not because they have had victory, but because they have lost the will to fight. And now Joshua is very old. And we begin in chapter 13, the third major section of the book of Joshua. First section is the children of Israel entering the land. That's where we learned about the miraculous division of the waters of the River Jordan. They camped in Gilgal. We learned about the the, the manna ceasing and the circumcision of the males. All of that was the entering into the land. The second section of the book of Joshua is the conquest of the land. That's the battles, the battle strategy that we've been reading about so far all along the way. That takes us up through chapter uh, 11. Then we have the list of kings, and the third section of the book begins in chapter 13. It is all about occupying the land. The word occupy shows up 12 times from chapter 13 to the end of chapter 31, and it's in this section that we read about the division of the land of Israel into the properties of the, of the various tribes and the tribal areas. The children of Israel move in. They take up residence But all of that which seems like victory is tainted by failure. Because after five years of war, there is much territory yet to be conquered. And so from verses 2 through 7 in chapter 13, we have just some of the area that's west of the Jordan listed. Some of the area that's left to be conquered. This is just a representative sampling. We're not going to read all the names of all the places, but if I was to translate some of the names of those places into modern day names, here is what you would hear. The Gaza Strip has yet to be conquered. The nation we now call Lebanon yet to be conquered. If he listed the eastern side of what was given them, technically, much of the nation Syria is yet to be conquered. All of the nation Jordan yet to be conquered. I say it that way because I want you to understand how the failure of God's people in this day still has consequences with us today. The history of the Middle East and probably the world would have been much different if they would have obeyed. And even those areas are are not the total picture because there's pockets of resistance inside the center of the Holy Land. Some of these areas will be very slow to be conquered and some will change hands back and forth over the next hundreds of years. In fact, it is 400 years after this date that King David finally conquers the Jebusites once and for all and gets them out of Jerusalem and he can set up his capital there in Jerusalem, the holy city. Hundreds of years go by because Joshua is old and the conquest has stalled. 
And if you read this whole section, the word that pops into my mind is the nation has settled. In every sense of the word, they're settling. They're settling down into the areas that they've been allotted. They settle into the homes that they're making for themselves. They settle for living together with the pagan civilizations, which is exactly what God said. Do not do that because I do not want that influence near you. They settle for less, much less territory than is promised them if you read the very first chapter of Joshua. They compromise. And the result of that compromise is that it will be the first of many compromises and the pagan influences will never go away. They will remain and the consequences later on will be devastating because they settled. Bring it forward. Are you settling? Are you settling? Halfway measures, halfway victories, where God wants to give you the whole measure of victory? Are you settling for lack of forgiveness in a relationship so it's ruining that relationship? Are you settling for lack of growth in the area where God's will is clear but you just don't want to pursue it? Are you staying on the fringe of faith, saying, well, I'm religious and that's enough when God is calling you to a relationship with Jesus Christ? Are you settling for half-conquered habits that flare up from time to time? Are you settling for halfway commitments that don't ever really solidify into righteous actions? Are you settling for half-done jobs, half-pursued interests? Don't settle for less than God's will for you. Because at the time, it might feel like settling is easier, settling is more comfortable, but settling will always cost you. The children of Israel settled Don't follow that example. And so from the middle of chapter 13 through chapter 19, what we see is an account of the partitioning of the land, the tribes moving into their allotment areas. Now, way back in Numbers 26, we hear that as a result of the census, the taking of the numbers, that's why numbers is called numbers, because they counted the tribes. As a result of that, they committed themselves to the fact that the larger tribes will have the larger areas. And that both in Numbers 26 and in chapter 14, we see that they cast lots for the specific area. So in other words, this was a human decision combined with God's activity in terms of where these tribes will end up. And within the tribal areas, the families in those tribes, they're not specified as to where they will live. They kind of have to work that out for themselves. Except for a few. There's only a few people, families, that are exceptions to the rule. We should speak about the tribe of Levi, for one thing. The the Levites don't get a land allotment. What they got is specific cities all throughout the nation. We'll talk about that more next week. But the two families that are given specific places to live are the families of Caleb and Joshua. But when these tribes went into their areas, the geographical areas that they're meant to live in, the point of Joshua doing this is, I am no longer able to lead you as a a mass effort. So I'm going to give you the tribal areas, and you tribes, you go ahead and take care of your own area. Each one responsible to make sure that the pagan influences are out of your area. Joshua expected that, but that proved to be a false hope. Look at chapter 13, verse 13. But the Israelites did not drive out the people of Geshur and Makkah, 
So they continue to live among the Israelites to this day. And you can read similar statements in chapter 15, chapter 16, chapter 17. In fact, it becomes the typical story. The tribes moved into their areas of inheritance. They were charged with, uh, with re- uh, eliminating the pagan influences, but they failed again and again and again. God has been true to his word. The land was theirs. They have the sections of inheritance. They now can pass that on from generation to generation. God is accomplishing what he wants to accomplish. But the people, as they grow comfortable, they neglect their duty. And the pagan influence stays nearby. It's a picture of half measures and limited obedience again and again until you come to one man. And that man is Caleb. In chapter 14, we meet Caleb. In fact, we meet him for the second time in the Bible. Caleb was one of the 12 spies that Moses sent into the land at the, when they first got there. It was Caleb and Joshua and then 10 others. And when this group of 12 spies came back to report what they found, it was only Caleb and Joshua who gave a positive report. Only those two. It specifically says in Numbers chapter 13 that where they were scouting out was the area of the highlands of Hebron. And in those highlands of Hebron, they saw the Anakites, the people of great stature. And ten of the spies said, there's no way we can beat them. They're big people. They got big cities. They have big walls. We are small people. We can't do this. And Caleb was one of the two who said, with God on our side, we can do this. We should go up. But Caleb's opinion did not carry the day. And the result was that the people revolted, and you know the story. Since they refused to go in, they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. It's now the next generation that's dividing the land. And the only two from that Exodus generation that are still alive are Caleb and Joshua. Now they're old men. Caleb tells us in in this passage he's 85 years old. And here's how he explains in his own words what has happened. Look at verse 9 of chapter 14. Looking back to that day when he reported the good news in his mind that could happen, he said, So on that day Moses swore to me, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever, because you have followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. That was the promise. That place where you stood, that place that you saw, that's going to be your inheritance. That was the promise. And the promise was the hill country of Hebron. And Caleb wants the promise to be kept. Caleb saw the same challenges. He saw the same struggles as everybody else. He saw the difficulties. He understood the negatives. But when he looked at the equation of life, he said, why should we worry about that when God is on our side? Why do we have to even consider that? We have the Almighty. You see, Caleb was a man of faith. He had unwavering faith that God was on the side of the Israelites. He didn't even have to really evaluate what's coming against them. Who cares about giants? Who cares about walls? Who cares about big cities? We have a big God. And he's going to intervene on our behalf. He had a relentless, unwavering, long-term, lasting faith. And that is so significant. No matter what came, no matter what disappointment, no matter what trial, I will trust him yet. 
How many times have we been impressed by someone who seemed to be bright, brightly burning for the Lord? All of a sudden, they flamed out. What happened? Maybe something happened that brought sadness into their life, and they didn't expect sadness. Or a loss that was just too val- valuable. Or a question that wasn't answered quickly enough. Or maybe an influential non-believer who seemed to have all the answers, even though they were error. And the faith falters. And turning away, Caleb is not that guy. His faith doesn't falter. Through the highs and the lows, through the difficult times, through the wars and the battles, he is a faithful man. And as a faithful man, he brings that faith to the tough challenges of life. And I say that because I want you to understand Caleb could have gotten an easier assignment. No doubt the children of Israel hold him in high esteem. He is one of two who came back with the positive report, the only two from the Exodus generation. Everyone in that nation understood, if only our parents would have listened to Caleb, we would have been in the land long ago. Surely if Caleb would have said, you know, the fields in the lowlands, they look more fertile than they were. And the hills of Hebron, they look difficult to capture and difficult to deal with, and they were. And if he would have said to them, you know, I would much prefer to occupy a nice valley by a stream, running water, I think the people would have fallen over themselves trying to give Caleb what he wants. But he wants what's promised. And at 85, he is able, read on, go down to the end of verse 10. Caleb is still speaking. So here I am today, 85 years old. I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I am just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Now give me this hill country. He's ready to face the challenge. 85 years old, and he's saying, bring it on. Because God has promised. I heard about a man who is facing what we we call retirement. And... As he was facing retirement, he, he's, he was asked the question that everybody who comes to the point of retirement is asked. The same exact question. If you're retired today, you have been asked this question. And that is, what are you going to do with your time? What are you going to fill your time with? Now, this guy had always been handy. And so he said, you know, I have a plan. What I'm going to do is put my tools in my van, and I'm going to be a handyman, a free handyman for senior citizens. Just do any odd jobs that they need done around the house, totally free. He had a business card printed up explaining that this this work I'm doing is totally free because of my faith in Jesus Christ and because of the way that God has cared for me over the course of my life. So now it's free to you. And I want to tell you that even though that guy was retiring, what he was really doing is stepping into his real job. Because his real job was living out his divine design. His real job was letting the image of God be seen in him because of how God touched him in life. And Caleb is the same way. Even though older, he's still vital and he's still able and he wants to make a difference. You see, it's never too late for significance and it's always too early to settle. And Caleb was courageous. Takes courage to do what Caleb's doing. Doesn't mean he didn't feel any fear. Courage is not not feeling fear. Courage is doing what you're afraid of. If you don't feel fear, you don't need courage. But Caleb was courageous. Courageous to step out 
and take on the challenge. Chuck Swindoll tells, about a, tells a story about a psychological test. Now, these were college students and below, students that were, were brought into a room, 10 students, and the, 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 the test was, um, they're paid like 10 bucks a day to do this, and the test was they were shown pieces of paper with three lines on it, and they were told, we want you to point to the longest line. Easy $10, seems to me. And so, but the issue was, nine of them were told before they went in, we want you to point to the second longest line. Because the test was really not to see who could see the longest line. The test was, what would that tenth person do when everyone else in the room saw it differently than him or her? What would they do at that point? Over and over again, they brought in the groups, and over and over again, this is what the tenth person did. When they pointed to the, the longest line, they put up their hand, and then they saw nobody else did. So they put their hand back down again. It didn't matter what department they were from. It didn't matter really what ages they were. That was the universal kind of response for that tenth person. Because they're thinking, well, maybe I, maybe I didn't understand the directions, or, or maybe I didn't see it right, or maybe I got it wrong, and certainly I don't want to stand out and be different from everybody else. But if you name the name of Christ today, you are meant to be different from everybody else. You are meant to stand out and be different, be, be, be going against the grain. Your convictions are meant to be derived from the Word of God, not social media and not the nightly news. And it takes courage to be the one to stand up and say, that's not how I see it. But you must be those people. Because all around us, the influence is moving in the other direction, away from righteousness. It takes courage not to say yes. Or courage of faith, listening for our next assignment. And Caleb got his next assignment. And he was ready. And he's not the only one who had a specific place already prepared that God was giving him on a family level. I mentioned one other. It's the other elderly man from the first generation, Joshua. Turn over to chapter 14, verse 49. Excuse me, nine, you're not going to find that. 19, verse 49. You thought maybe I had a little different uh, version here? Huh? 19, verse 49. Okay? It says this, When they had finished dividing the land into its allotted portions, the Israelites gave Joshua, son of Nun, an inheritance among them as the Lord had commanded. God had already made a command in Joshua's favor. They gave him the town he asked for, Timnath Sarah, in the hill country of Ephraim. And he built up the town and he settled there. A very specific place for these two very specific saints, two elderly warriors, the only two spies to show courage. Now, 45 years later, they're gaining the reward because for God, a promise made is a promise kept. And as we trust God, he proves himself faithful and he proves himself strong. And he shows us he is able. The Chronicles of Narnia are a wonderful set of books, children's stories about a magical land called Narnia. And in the book, The Prince, Prince Caspian, one of the books, Lucy, who is one of the children characters in the story, returns to Narnia. Now, she meets Aslan. He's the lion who represents Jesus Christ all throughout the books. She hasn't seen him for a long time, and they have a wonderful reunion. And Lucy, in that reunion, says to Aslan the lion, 
Aslan, you're bigger now. Aslan says to Lucy, Lucy, that's because you are older. You see, Lucy, every year you grow, you will find me bigger. That is a faith statement. Every month, every year that you walk in faith with your Savior, you will find him bigger. You'll find him more able, more true, more ready. You will find him there, enlarged in your view. Why? Not because he's changing, but because you are making more room for him, giving more over to him. And that's what we are meant to do to depend on Him more and more. And when we depend on Him more and more, as we grow in this journey of faith, we will find Him always able. So, don't settle. Move forward by faith. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank You that You are trustworthy. Even though there are difficult situations and times where courage is called for, Lord, we can depend on You. We love You. We worship You. And Lord, without you, we cannot do what we are designed to do. So fill us and use us and help us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The team is back to lead us in a closing song. Let's stand as we sing.
Maybe you're here today and there's an issue which calls for courage in your life, an issue for which you need a prayer partner to lay that burden down before the Lord. After every service, we have prayer counselors next to the organ by the prayer table. Whatever your situation is, whatever your need is, they will wait for you and pray with you. You slip forward to meet with them. But first, let's all pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you that as we walk forward with you, we don't surrender ground to the enemy. So Lord, we pray that we are those courageous followers. Enable us to look past the issue and to know that you are greater than any issue. To look past the problem and see that you are the problem solver. And we cling to you by faith. Lord, in a world around us that doesn't honor you and seeks to move in the opposite direction, we, we need to go against the grain. So help us to be courageous enough to do that this week. Enable us to represent you well, we pray, so that you get the glory. For we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for coming today.